I think there's more opportunities for him there and probably less pressure. You're right, he doesn't have to come in, and the Braves are definitely in win-now mode. Chicago's this enigmatic team that has had great players on the roster that just hasn't put it together or done anything. Welcome to episode 254 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. It's been another busy week for Alberta's baseball scene, and it all started the night last week's episode dropped. In case you've been living under a rock, Calgary's Michael Soroka was traded from the Atlanta Braves to the Chicago White Sox in a multiplayer deal for reliever Aaron Bummer. An interesting side note on that deal is that it happened exactly one year ago to the day that Seattle traded Eric Swanson and Stony Plains Adam Mako to Toronto for Teoscar Hernandez. Our Ian Wilson will be stopping by in a few minutes as he will provide our own analysis on that deal, as well as a few other big ticket news items, including Matt Lloyd being named a Baseball Canada Award winner, the ballot for the National Baseball Hall of Fame Museum's connections to Alberta, and a personal story of Ian's that has garnered a lot of attention over the last few weeks. In other news, congratulations to friend of the show Ashley Stevenson on being named to the coaching staff for the 2024 Women's National Team by Baseball Canada. Anthony Pluto will continue to serve as man manager while Stevenson will be joined on the staff by Aaron Mayette, Patricia Landry, and Kate Pizzotta. Speaking of Baseball Canada, they also released their 2023-2028 strategic plan. It's focused on three pillars and commitments around growth, development and performance, and organizational excellence. Reading through the report, I found some interesting tidbits in there, including aligning the boys and girls programming, improving national events, and Get this, assessing the creation of an Academy National Championship. I'm hoping to sit down with Baseball Canada CEO Jason Dixon in the next few weeks to chat all about it. This weekend is the annual Baseball Alberta Awards Banquet and AGM in Edmonton. The Baseball Alberta Summit will also be held, where member associations will be able to share their feedback and suggestions in an open discussion format. We'll be checking in with Baseball Alberta officials, as well as award winners and more in our coverage over the next few weeks. A quintet of young athletes announced their call commitments over the course of the last few days. On the softball side, Briley Christensen at St. Joseph Academy in Red Deer is heading to Colby Community College. On the baseball side, her St. Joe's schoolmate Nate Mountjoy is heading to Garden City Community College, while teammate Corbin Lockhead is heading to McCook Community College. Elsewhere, Jerome Pair from Dogs Academy will join Central Arizona College, and AHP Academy's Emery Cairns goes to Seward County Community College. And finally, our hearts go out to those who knew and loved Dean Ports. He was a level three umpire from Calgary who worked all around the province, including the Baseball Alberta Elite League and this year's Alberta Summer Games in Okotoks. Ports passed away November 13th. Our thoughts are particularly with his wife, Chantel, their children, and the entire Ports family. All right, let's get to this week's guest. And as mentioned, it's been a crazy few weeks in Alberta, despite it being November. Let's bring Alberta Dugout Stories co-founder and principal writer Ian Wilson for some analysis on the Soroka Swap and more. Ian, thanks so much for your time and welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to uh, to pinch hit for you today. This is the big story of the last uh, week or so. Basically, the day that our last podcast dropped, Michael Soroka gets traded from the Atlanta Braves to the Chicago White Sox. I text you late at night saying, did you see what happened? What goes through your yeah. mind when you see the details of that deal? Uh, well, a lot of a lot of things for both the Braves, the White Sox, and of course Mike Soroka. And I think before we get into it too much, we should really tip our caps to to Mike for his perseverance. I mean, if he's 
shown anything over the last few years. It's his commitment to the game. It's his commitment to his craft and his health. And uh, I'm sure that, you know, even as an outsider looking at it, it, that's not an easy situation he's been put in. I know he's got great care around him, but to, you know, to come back and then have the exact same injury that uh, is going to put you on the bench for a lot longer time. Like it's uh, that's, that's gotta be a mental, uh, a mental Rubik's cube to, to try to navigate. So for the, as for the trade itself, I think, I think it's pretty clear that Atlanta has been clearing the decks. They made a lot of moves, a lot of like kind of bigger name guys or guys who have been big names in that organization for few years i think kyle wright was another one that mm-hmm. uh they got dealt uh nikki lopez so guys who are, are talented players so i think any of the players involved uh shouldn't be taking it as an indictment of their abilities at all and uh you know i, I think the return if you would have said that mike soroka and others would be dealt it's about team control right i think he's under control till 2026 so it really is a business move i think for for soroka Personally, he's he's going to be in a position where he should have more uh, more clearance to pitch and pitch more often. And to do that as a starter, uh, I think to come back in that capacity, if uh, if that's what he wants to keep pursuing, I think the Braves probably could have kept him on as uh, uh, you know. There's still big big game hunting for starting pitching for sure, but they could have kept him on as a bullpen option but i think this was actually probably a good thing for him to to just be like hey we we've liked what you've done we've liked how hard you've worked for us i think there's an element to the fan base that are big fan favorites of mike soroka uh and i think that he'll have more of an opportunity to 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 rebound and be that that comeback player that he's striving to be so that's my quick notes on it i don't know how you saw it but uh be curious your thoughts as well yeah i mean from a personal standpoint i look at it especially from from what mike wants to ultimately do like he's shown those signs of i mean he was the international league pitcher of the month in august right so he's clearly got the stuff it was just you're trying to he was trying to do all of those things while the braves were also in the in the heat of a pennant race right and and i don't know if the Braves had that desire to have another playoff run while also hoping that he returns to his 2019 self. And so there's a bit of a, a runway issue maybe that comes up there. And so I like this move personally because I think, it, to your point, the White Sox haven't been a playoff contender for the last three or four seasons now. They're clearly in a rebuilding mode. They needed some pieces um, and this gives him an opportunity to maybe have a few setbacks along the road and the fan base maybe being okay with it versus, okay, let's have a, uh, a start and have things go sideways maybe, and then all of a sudden you're, you're, you lose a couple of games, and then that might be the difference between making or breaking the playoffs. So that might be in his favor. And, I mean, if you're the Chicago White Sox, even if Michael Soroka gets back to 75% of what he was in uh, 2019, that's still a really good ball player. And he's only 26. I mean, he's we've talked a, a lot, and he's talked a lot about Charlie Morton and the influence that he's had over the being able to have a, a long career despite being written off multiple times during the journey. 
this is a pretty good situation. So am I wrong in thinking maybe this is a, a maybe being optimistic about this opportunity for him? Is that something that you're kind of thinking too? Is this is a this might be a, a really good move for him in the in the long run? Well, I think I think <laughs> I'm I'm kind of scared to be optimistic about <laughs> his future, and I think uh, I say that respectfully because I think we've all seen what he's capable of. But I, we've also seen the disappointment. So we, I don't think anyone wants to like assume anything or take anything for granted. I, well, so yeah, I think long term, you're right. I think there's more opportunities for him there, and probably less pressure. You're right. He doesn't have to come in, and the Braves are the Braves are definitely in win now, win now mode. Uh, Chicago's this enigmatic team that has had great players on the roster that just hasn't put it together or done anything so that in itself probably takes a little bit of pressure off hopefully uh and and he can just go and concentrate on him and pitching and doing what he does and more of the craft and i I, knowing what we know of mike soroka he probably has enough internal pressure on himself to begin with so he doesn't need that externally the one thing i haven't really looked at is the coaching within that uh white Sox organization and what uh you know, how that might work with him and, and uh, how it compares to Atlanta. So that'll be an interesting thing to examine and see if there are, you know, if there are pitching coaches along the way that can really connect with Mike and help him uh, either on the mental side or just, uh, you know, just uh, just in calming down and, and pitching and having fun, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's what we all want to see from him. He's He's a talented guy, but he's also a really, really good guy, and he's got a great head on his shoulders. So, uh, so all the best to him. I hope I, I hope we get to see him and see him at his best uh, in not just ne- this next season, but the seasons ahead. It's been interesting to watch the social media side of things as well, especially here in Alberta. All of a sudden, everybody's taking off their Atlanta Braves hats and tossing them into the garbage or into the back <laughs> of the closets and saying, you know what? I'm now a Chicago White Sox fan. So it's kind of cool to see that from our perspective. It's hard to believe that Mike was drafted eight years ago, 2015. And it's, he has a bit of a connection to us in terms of it was his being drafted in the first round and us talking about it in post rad news beers beers about the lack of media coverage here at home that kind of got the ball rolling in less than a year later ADS was born when you look back on it we've been able to cover a bunch of different sides of Michael Soroka and the way that he's been able to pitch and and the journey that he's had over the last eight years with the Braves are there any particular memories or moments or connections that you've been able to make that really stand out to you over the course of his uh, his eight-year tenure with the Braves? Uh, in terms of memories, I think his debut was such an exciting day. I remember writing uh, the story that day. I remember uh, messaging Brent Cooper, who went uh, one of one of Mike's former coaches and uh, baseball uh, person of note in, in Calgary, uh, and uh, and also a fellow uh, diabetic mm-hmm. I wrote recently about my son having type one diabetes. He was one of the first guys I messaged after uh, he was diagnosed. So um, anyway, that that footnote aside, um, yeah. So I think there was just a lot of messages back and forth that day of his debut, and then to see him go out and the way that game unfolded. He's pitching against Cindergard, who at the time. That like was a much bigger name, right? Like I think everyone now is like, what happened to Noah Syndergaard? But he was he was a bit of a force then, and then to have his first 
baseball action it was in at bat as opposed to mm. uh being on the mound because they they uh the the braves put up some runs for him that uh that inning so all of that like that was just a really fun day and then i remember talking to his uh, interviewing his dad after about just being in uh in new york and like you know, having a beer after, or like, I don't think he could even order a beer because he wasn't 21, <laughs> you know, like all those fun things about, about, uh, MLB debut that, that you got to see with him. That that's definitely a special memory, but I also think wrapped up in that is what a beacon he has been to the baseball community in Alberta. Uh, you know, that, that is one name that has come up and people look to, and they, you know, you talk about, if you can see it, you can be it. And and Mike has been that for baseball players in Alberta, right? Mm-hmm. They've they like that's that's like, there's so many excellent uh, prospects who are coming up from Alberta that uh, you know we want to see make major league rosters. We've seen some of them who come through here that have made uh, MLB rosters, but uh, for Mike to to do what he did in 2019 and have that great year. You know, he gained a lot of fans, but he also gained a lot of. Uh, he inspired a lot of baseball players, I think, to 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 make it to the, that top level. You know, whether that's Adam Mako or Damian uh, Palmagiani, like whether they make it to the majors or not, I think we've all got one eye. You know, kind of cocked on what what Mike's been doing through his career, and and just seeing, knowing that, that that he's from Alberta and they they can follow that path that path is there for them Mm -hmm. one of those guys who happened to have a connection with Michael Soroka and there's a photo of him at Dogs Academy together is Matt Lloyd who was recently named the Baseball Canada Men's National Team Player of the Year uh, at their award ceremony in St. John's and wanted to get a couple of thoughts from you on Matt Lloyd because talk about a crazy set of circumstances, a crazy wild ride that he's had in 2023 after an injury ended his 2022 campaign. Then he gets hurt. Uh, then he gets released by the the Reds. It'd be easy for him to go, man, this sucks. But he's really taken uh, life by the horns and, and ridden it to some success at the national level. Yeah, I think, I think Matt is a pretty easy guy to cheer for. Uh, I think for, for a couple of reasons. One, he's just got that intensity, puts in the work, like he's, he cares about, uh, about the game. And he, the, those two way players, man, like I think, uh, you know, we saw his, his former teammate, Cody Funderburk, uh, make his MLB debut mm-hmm. this year. And he was a two way threat in the, in the Western Canadian baseball league. Eric Zabrowski was another guy who, uh, just great two way player at the time. So when you kind of see them peel off one of those uh, avenues of their game and, and concentrate, in this case, Matt Lloyd, on on being the best hitter he can. And he's got, man, like he had that one uh, Instagram clip a couple of years ago of his swing, mm-hmm. and it's a thing of beauty, right? Like he's he's got he's got that great swing. So yes, like he another guy who was beset by by injury. Uh, and slowed down by that and you see him you know kind of falling out of uh the good graces of of uh the reds organization and i mean look at the the reds prospects and young mm. players right so that is no indictment of of him um but to see him have success with both baseball canada and also uh playing in the mexican league you know it just like he's he's had some air miles this year uh, but it's good to just see again the 
the perseverance and the sticking with it within the game and, and having some successes to see a guy like that be recognized after a year like this is, is just great to see. We, you know, he's, uh, as they say, he's got that dog in him, you know, whether that's, uh, whether that's of an Okotoks variety or, or just that grit and determination. It's, it's good to see him, you know, it's good to see his name pop up and see, him, uh, him having success on the field, mm-hmm. and always great to uh, watch his social media clips. Still, is he's been uh, promoting some of his home runs and that in the Mexican League. Congratulations again to Matt Lloyd, as well as Zoe Hicks, who coaches at Absolute Baseball Academy in Calgary as well. Uh, Winnipeg native, if memory serves me correct, the female or the women's national team player of the year as well. So, congrats to them and all the other winners of baseball uh, Canada awards. Baseball Alberta handing out its awards this coming weekend so we'll have more updates on that uh in the days and weeks ahead a couple of other storylines wanted to get to with you ian before we let you go you are in the airport as we speak uh our our true baseball insider getting on an airplane before too long uh wanted to chat a little bit about the baseball hall of fame the uh ballot is out some new names jose bautista is kind of the one that sticks out to everybody adrian beltre as well as another one uh, two with Alberta connections and their returnees, Alex Rodriguez and Omar Vizquel, and both saw drops in their vote counts last year. They're still in the hunt for a possible induction. Let's start with A-Rod. How do you see this one playing out? I mean, I think he's kind of like Barry Bonds light in terms of like his his profile of... of um, uh, being a contender for the Hall of Fame, like he's got all the numbers, he's mm-hmm. he's got the achievements. He was an excellent MLB player, but we all know why. <laughs> you know, he he hasn't gone in. It's the, the steroid stink uh, that those players have, and you know, I, I so I don't think I don't think either Vizquel or A Rod are are going to get in this year. Um, I, but I don't think with a, in A Rod's case, uh, yeah, I just think that that steroid um if barry bonds can't break through you know with his resume i don't think a rod's going to and so i do think you know i we've i've done an editorial on that in the past i think ultimately you need to let those guys in i i, I and i hate i actually hate saying that for years i was <laughs> feel so dirty it, yeah, I, I have been anti-steroid, but I'm also like, you know what? You let them in, but you you highlight or you don't ignore the blemishes. You mm-hmm. don't ignore the the hat size of Barry Bonds in his 30s growing or his shoe size growing three three things. That's those things aren't normal. So yeah, I can appreciate what Barry Bonds did, his ability to cue up a baseball, especially not getting a lot of pitches. Um, in, on the one hand, it's and same with A-Rod, you know, that there's some ability there, some innate ability that, that you love to see and you respect, but they, um, you know, they cheated, mm-hmm. <laughs> they cheated. So I think, I don't think he can escape that. He's not going to escape that this year. I think that'll be through history. That'll be, um, for the, 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 whatever the era committees to decide, if, if these guys belong or not. Same as Pete Rose, my contention with Pete Rose has long been that, uh, you know, he, he probably belongs, but um, maybe maybe that's a posthumous award for him. Maybe you wait until he passes away because he hasn't been a friend to himself in getting in there. But again, that's a whole 
I'm kind of going a few different directions here, probably <laughs> pissing off a lot of people. I, but I don't think, you know, I, I just don't think A-Rod, is, if, if uh, Barry Bonds can't do it, I don't see why why he's going to get the benefit of the doubt. And uh, with Vizquel, oh, sorry, I should I should invite you into that. But what it, <laughs> where, am I wrong? Correct me if I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. No, <laughs> I can't tell wrong. you you're wrong. And and you know how I feel about this too. Is I, I and we've talked about this in in previous episodes too. Is there's that part of me that goes, no, nah, you can't do it just based off of the the idea that if you cheat, you shouldn't be rewarded for it. At the same time. They they did perform some incredible feats. They did do some great things for the game and helped grow the game at a time where it had kind of stagnated a little bit. And so there's there's that element of you need to recognize what was done. And and as much as the one thing that I will say about especially the steroid era was there were players who took steroids and Fernando Vini is my favorite um, is my poster boy, I suppose for this argument is here's a guy who took steroids and was named in the report, uh, the Mitchell report. And yet he didn't go off and hit 60 home runs. Right. And so it's, you still have to be able to, as to your point earlier, you still have to cue that ball up, right? Like you still have to be able to swing and hit the ball. You just happen to hit monstrous shots when you do hit it. So there is that element of it. I am curious with A-Rod if he's going to, because he's become sort of this media darling in his post-career, if that's going to help him a little bit. It's no different than I'll use the Joey Votto thing. Is he Early in his career, he's kind of maligned as being this, this um, I don't want to call him angry, but he became, he was sort of this curmudgeon guy. And now all of a sudden, he's every everybody loves Joey Votto, right? Yeah. I wonder if A-Rod's in that same vein, like because he's become sort of loved, if that's going to win over enough of the vote at some point, maybe in year 10. I don't know. I, I It's hard yeah. to say with baseball writers because they're, they seem to make some sense sometimes and not a lot of sense other times. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see. Let's go to the other guy on this list. Omar wait, wait, Vizquel. wait. I, I can't let you off the hook there. I okay. can't let you off the hook there right. because I don't think you can put Votto's name in the same sentence <laughs> as A-Rod. I, uh, I, think, I think you're right that, that A-Rod has, um, has kind of done a somewhat calculated media uh, rejuvenation of his, his image. But I also think there's a general sense of uh, insincerity with a rod. And sure. I don't think, I think there's a lot of people that don't like him, you know, in spite of his media persona or because of it, uh, as opposed to Votto, which said like he's got, Votto's got a little bit more of an oddball, uh, like there's some sincerity there. And For I sure. think, and also the Canadian. We love our Canadians. So, <laughs> so well, I'll, and don't get me wrong. For, Joey's going in the hall. Period. End of discussion. Yeah, like, yeah. There's no doubt about yeah. that in my mind. And and by no means, I and I absolutely agree with you. Is that there's, I think even Jays fans will remember uh, a Rod rounding the bases and uh, on a pop up, and yeah. uh, and yelling yeah. at the third baseman. Right? Like they yeah. they know that the the competitive nature, quote unquote, of a Rod wasn't exactly the nicest thing in the world. The other argument that can be made in this whole conversation is it's the Hall of Fame and not the Hall of Nice Guys. Yeah. So yeah. there is that element 
that comes into play too. Like Babe Ruth wasn't, you know, Mr. Um, family photo man either. Right. Or Ty Cobb yeah. wasn't that guy. Right. Yet they're there again. Their, yeah. their situations were different because they, they weren't cheating uh, as far as we know, but <laughs> it's still one of those. There's still that aspect of it of, okay, just because you're not likable, does that mean you don't get to get into the hall of fame? And so that's yeah. where I kind of draw the, that the very, very light line. I'm not saying it's a yeah. direct line, but it is a light line. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll, we'll leave it there then. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. All right. The the other guy on the list, Omar Vizquel, uh, what do you think about his chances even beyond this year? I mean, I don't, I'm with you. I don't think either of them are in this year, but Omar is a, an interesting case, like defensively amazing. But it's those offensive numbers yeah. that I think a lot of a lot of people are going to look at and go. It's like it's the Dave Steve of pitchers thing, right? Yeah. Like he was phenomenal, but the numbers, the the traditional numbers, quote unquote, that uh, a lot of baseball writers back in the day, especially when it came to Cy Young awards and that, they looked at win and wins and losses and went, ah, he doesn't deserve it. Is the same going to hold true with Omar Vizquel here? Is because he was a defensive guy, he doesn't get to go? Yeah. In? Yeah, I think the template for him to make it there is the Ozzie Smith debate. Like, hey, yeah. Ozzie Smith had a pretty light bat. And uh, and I think in favor, if you're arguing in favor of Omar Vizquel, it's it's the glove. Mm. It's uh, what he could do between second and third there. And, you know, that's, that's a compelling argument for sure. And I think the other thing is longevity. You know, he yeah. had a very long career. If you look at his counting stats, his hit totals, over that career there, there are some impressive numbers there, but, uh, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I just don't think it's going to be quite enough. And if it is, it'll be, he's probably not going to get voted in. It'll be someone else's decision. And let's face it. I mean, the, the baseball hall of fame in particular is incredibly exclusive, probably mm -hmm. too much. So I, you know, I think you probably hockey, you know, with the hockey hall of fame, you've seen guys that you're like, really? That guy's in, mm -hmm. like, no, and no, no disrespect, but maybe, maybe they do need to loosen things up. Maybe ultimately they will, maybe not. I don't know the way that we count numbers now too. Like you're not seeing starting pitchers uh, log as many innings, so therefore yeah. they're not going to have the strikeout totals. You know, there used to be this subset of like, well, how many wins did this pitcher have over his career? What you know what I mean? Like, there, the, uh, what were the K totals over their career? And just because of the way the game is managed now, you're going to have to um, alter the way that you you set those benchmarks. Uh, so long, long, long term, meaning when both uh, A Rod and this Kell are off the ballot, um, you you'll you'll have these debates and maybe, maybe then will be their time. I don't know. Um, but I, I don't see, I just don't see enough there. I should note there were some things off field things with mm -hmm. Vizquel as well. Um, he's been a guy who has been not known as a great teammate, not a nice guy. There were some domestic assault issues that arose um, that, you know, we didn't always used to consider those things in the past, but those things, do factor in for some people now, some voters now. Um, so, you know, uh, again, it's a likability thing and uh, with him for some voters. So it will be your Hall of Fame versus Hall of Nice Guys uh, debate all over again. Mm -hmm. So, but I, I don't, I just don't think he's going to be there. You're going to have, you know, Beltre off the top of my head is going in for sure. Yep. Totally likable guy, great player, totally deserves it. Uh, who I should note, 
Greg Morrison, uh, owner of the Mavericks, played with him in the minors. So oh, uh, small world in baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe we can get a few stories from him about Beltre uh, uh, the next time we chat with him. But um, uh, and yeah, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on some of the other names on the ballot. But uh, uh, there, I think there's other guys that the the Hall would be happy to highlight, and uh, they're they're kind of. PR wins, if nothing else, uh, and and deserving guys. So I think I think the hall will go that way this year, and then you know it should be should be fun to watch. I think these debates are always fun to have. So uh, yeah, bring them on, hit flood us on on Twitter and Insta and Facebook, and, and tell us again, tell us we're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I look at that ballot, and I don't have it in front of me, but nothing really stuck out to me. Like Beltre seems to be the no brainer. I, I know that uh, Canadians are going to look at Jose Bautista's name and say he deserves to go in, but I wonder about the kind of the rose-colored glasses because he didn't win a whole lot. Um, he didn't. It wasn't like they won World Series with him by any stretch. It's not like he was winning batting titles or or those kinds of things. He was, he certainly had some uh, amazing moments, but I I don't know if there was enough of a cumulative. Um, yeah. Hall of Fame worthy career. I'm sure he'll make it onto the second, like he'll get enough of the vote for second ballot, but uh, a second year on the ballot. But it's going to be interesting. There's, there, like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of guys that I went, okay, that's definitely a, a surefire Hall of Famer. Like I know that there's a couple coming up in the next couple of years um, once their eligibility comes up. Um, but this year it feels lighter to me. Like nobody on the new on the the newbie list that made me go, okay, they're clearly in. Uh, so finally, last thing that I want to get to before we let you go, uh, you panned a really, really, uh, first off, a tip of the cap. Uh, it's not easy to open up. We as journalists don't want to be at the center of stories. We don't try to include ourselves in stories, but at the same time, there's a connection and baseball has given us that connection. The, the community here has been amazing. And your story Earlier this month regarding uh, Eric Radicic of the Brooks Bombers and the special connection that your family made. You mentioned the the footnote, quote unquote, uh, of uh, your son's diabetes. Um, tell us a little bit about how this all came to be for those who haven't read the story. Um, well, first of all, thank you for those kind words. And you're right. I, I actually did the debate um, writing the story at all because I I, I don't necessarily want me or my family to be the, the focus of things but I also thought I thought it was a story worth telling so so again thank you for that for those those words I think yeah it's been a rough year if I'm being honest like uh, any any family that uh, is, uh, is living with and and managing type 1 diabetes especially for my son is seven years old so it's been a major adjustment uh, for our lives. Um, so that's been difficult. And, you know, that was in April, the diagnosis came down and then, you know, then you get into to baseball season and both for the kids, like they continue to play baseball. Kingsley missed uh, a few more, um, few more games than he probably otherwise would because we weren't going pedal to the metal, obviously on, on, uh, on that, that wasn't the priority this year. Um, and then, yeah, we got into the Western Canadian baseball League season and, uh, I, you know, we had known Eric Radicek, you had had him on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, so I knew of him, I knew that he was putting up great numbers in the WCBL. I had no idea he was, uh, T1D, he was type one diabetic. 
until uh, the All-Star game. You know, we're just I'm hanging out, taking photos by the home dugout there. And um, Eric Radicek's father is there. He's got a long lens camera. He's shooting pictures. He's like, oh, sorry if I'm in your way kind of thing. And he's just like, I'm just p- shooting pictures of my son. And uh, points out that it's Eric. And uh, like, oh, yeah, like he's in Derby earlier, a great, great ball player. Uh, start talking about Minnesota, where they're from, and um, you know. And then at some point, he he mentions that he's type one diabetic. I was like, oh, really? And I actually got quite emotional um, learning that news. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Like he's like, no, no, it's it's fine. Like he, so he's just very very generous in his uh, in, both in his conversation and and just recognizing the the vulnerability, I guess, of that moment. And then his um, Eric's mom came over, and they just kind of relayed the whole story of how they found out. I think Eric was 19 when they made that discovery, and that was, um, yeah, that's a lot for, you know, a young athlete to uh, to process, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, and then, you know, out of that, so met that great family. They were, they were just amazing people. I was like, I really want to get uh, Kingsley connected with Eric if I can. So started checking the schedule, and then later in July, we were like, oh, we're in Medicine Hat. Maybe he's coming through there. Wasn't, and then we were like, let's go to Brooks. Let's do a Brooks trip. Uh, and uh, talking to the Jasons there, and Jason Thompson was like, yep, bring your ball gloves. And uh, Kingsley and Maya, my my daughter, let's play catch with Eric. And he was like, yeah, this is what it's all about, man, like, uh, and they talked diabetes for like a minute, but it was more just having a moment and and seeing a guy, you know, mid twenties who's like high end athlete, uh, like just kind of giving you some sense that you can still this isn't going to be a massive barrier in your life. So it was very very special moments for the family that way. Mm-hmm. What did it mean to you just looking at? Uh, watching those two, I know you you talk about how they had a bit of a conversation and and that, but even just being able to play catch and sort of have that reprieve from you know the the constant pokes and pricks and the the constant tests and all that kind of stuff, especially that early on. You mentioned the the diagnosis in in April, so you're still kind of fresh off of uh, yeah. trying to learn all that. What was what did it mean to the fam to to be able to have that moment of levity and brevity? Yeah, I mean, I think you're looking for those all the time as a family, you know, whatever whatever challenges your your kids are having, like it can be it's a lot to be to be a, a parent of young kids, right? You know that as well. So, uh, just just having a few uh, a few moments and actually I was trying to like really just kind of butt out of it. Like mm-hmm. I was just like I I wanted to shake his hand and say thank you, it means a lot and then just let them play catch and they and they did that. So they it was nice to see them enjoying it. And, um, like they, they just had fun and they were like, you know, my, my daughter later on, we're watching the game. She's like, who are we cheering for? Um, and I was like, well, we're not really cheering tonight. Like normally there's, there's a decided, uh, team that we're, that we're boosting for. And, and that game was like, no, we're not, you know, my kids know that I grew up in medicine. Hat, so I think they were thinking of, I was going to say Mavericks and, I was like, no, we're just we're cheering for a good game tonight, and maybe we'll clap a little harder when when Eric gets up to the dish, and we did that. So, 
uh, no, so this, um, this, it was just a nice moment. And there's been other connections along the way too. There's, uh, my wife, um, you know, was parents of, uh, one of the kids in dogs Academy with type one diabetes. Uh, I mentioned Brent Cooper earlier. Mm-hmm. Like he's, uh, he's a good resource and an older guy that you can be like, Hey, you've been dealing with with this for a while now. What's, what's your experience been? So just having that around is, is comforting. Mm-hmm. Baseball community here in this province is something special on so many different levels and really appreciate, again, appreciate you, Ian, for, for opening up. It's not an easy topic to talk about, and especially when you got to bring your family into it, but uh, you did a stellar job of it. We've pinned the story up at the top of our, our website, albertadugoutstories.com. If you want to take a listen or take a read on that, if you haven't already, it's definitely worth your time. And uh, again, something special, something a little different. And, and I, that's the beauty of what we do is we get to do uh, some different things things with uh with alberta dugout stories on that note uh it's about that time where we let you go in because you got to get a flight to catch and all that kind of stuff so happy travels safe travels enjoy the time with the family and uh, we'll check in with you again uh before the end of the podcast season in december thank you so much joe you have a, a great day and a great rest of the week and i uh, look forward to talking to you again soon Thanks again to Ian Wilson for joining us this week, and thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. If you haven't already, leave us a rating and review on your podcast app to help spread the word about ADS. We are still planning a few more episodes before the end of the year, so hit the subscribe button as well. As always, tip of the cap to our Platinum supporters for all they do for us and for baseball in Alberta. The Okotoks Dogs and AHP Academy have been phenomenal partners in helping us tell the game's stories in our province. For more on our teammates, head to albertadugoutstories.com slash supporters. Until next time, thank you for all of your support online, on social, and on air of Alberta Dugout Stories.